my name is Allison Gonzalez. I'm an OBGYN, only currently practicing GYN on the west side, California. My name is Joanne Coleman. I've been a minister for at least 30 plus years. My specialty has been the language. Jesus actually spoke Aramaic, and also I carry the good red road, which means that the part of me that is Cherokee is a medicine woman and a, a pipe carrier in those traditions. And my focus has been on women's spirituality. I want to be provocative. I want to be a provocateur spiritually that would provoke a woman to fall in love with herself mm. and find herself adorable. Mm. <laughs> A lot of what I want to do is reconceive what we perceive of as women's power because I think the only metric we have is a masculine metric, which is conquer. I'm grateful for the masculine that does that, but I don't want to do that. People don't know it. It's an optical illusion. And so you kind of have to sit in it until it appears. And my experiences from the heart, the two of you have been so instrumental in my visceral experience of that power and my ability to come back and plug in and be charged up and then go back out there and do what's needed. Women's power being almost that kind of network and web where we can go and plug in and then we go out and do what has to be done. And both of those are vital. I don't think it's going to be a separatist movement where we huddle and where we huddle against or protect ourselves, I think it's going to be recognizing our strength and our power and our beauty and our joy, which to my mind is our greatest power, our love, and then, and then go out and titrate it into the world because the greed, hatred, and delusion that we see are a result of a lack of that. But we need a place to recharge our own power is suspect to us, and any woman who exhibits it is suspect. So the place where you might go to plug in becomes a place that you're cautious about. And how do we, how do we reimagine that in such a way that really ultimately what brings safety, um, the, the barrier to entry lowers. The two of you, and to my mind, is so beautiful. You know, it's a genuinely beautiful marriage in that you represent spirit, spirituality and science coming together. <laughs> and so, I mean, like you run the full gamut so that so many people, but my particular interest is women, can be reached in, in their language. You know, I do think that a more masculine conception of power has to do with a linear view. And so you can kind of speak one voice, you know, American broadcast English, <laughs> and then people will respond accordingly because there is a dogma and you can align with it. I think that's important. I think it's really important to have. But with women, we need to hear it um, in, in semantics. They describe it, uh, you know, um, masculine language is like a single spotlight on a subject and feminine language is like a hundred tiny spotlights. Mm -hmm. You get the same illumination in a different way. And so my interest is to have all of these voices saying, no, this is it. No, this is it. And the two of you are so much the embodiment of it to me and have been it 
I mean, you've been it for me. <laughs> been it for me since day one. Since day one. Um, I couldn't have kept going. But the first night we met, you know, you inadvertently <laughs> said, um, oh, it's a terrible thing to be a victim to your calling. <laughs> it's a terrible thing to be a victim to your calling because it's, it's bad enough to not know your calling. Then when you know it and it's in your heart, um, I've heard this description that um, when you have a child, it's like forever having your heart outside of Amen. your body. And that's what a calling feels like. It's, it's always there, it's always pulling you, it's pushing you, it's urging you. It's, and you're, there is no relationship that supersedes that relationship when you have that relationship. And then when you can't see how to execute or act on it and that, that freeze, it's really, every layer is a level of coming to not be victimized by it. And you know, to be, to be a hero for it. And you, you were instrumental, instrumental in having me come out of that freeze of this hurts, this is scary, I don't know how to do it, I don't know how to face that. How does one face that? I don't know. There's no book on how to do it. There's no, there's no language for how you talk about the invisible. Mm -hmm. You know, we have, the closest we have is a man, which is Jung, as far as I'm concerned. But, um, you know, there's a, a, a feminine power is invisible, it operates under the radar. It, changes how everyone in a room feels. Yes. And when people feel good, they begin to act better. But you, if you just have a dogma with the rules on how to act and you don't have the good feeling, then you see massive burnout. And I think we've all seen that and probably we've all experienced that where our hearts were in the right place, but we were dutifully carrying out the activity of our calling and then we crashed. And that's when I met you. I was, had been dutifully carrying out the activity yes. of my calling, and I was dead. And <laughs> <laughs> so much of your love and, um, and indirect, which was so profound, because if you would have just said to me, do these things, uh, I was too heartbroken to hear that. You had to gently insert them back into my heart until it was fortified in such a way um, that I was resurrected. And um, only this time I had gone to ground and now I was resurrected with this new fortification mm -hmm. and love that I, I didn't know you could have that. You know, I, I don't know about you, but all of the images I had seen, you know, Mother Teresa, you know, this kind of like pained sacrifice <laughs> of service, not realizing that what I'm here to bring is that radiance and joy and that everything else is a complement to that. So that's, uh, so that's, you know, really who you are to me and why I wanted you here. What was it that brought you together? Relevant to say I practice Buddhism. And, um, and it's relevant because, um, and then it's also relevant to say, and at the same time, when I was 16, I had this funny experience where it wasn't a dream and it wasn't awake. It was an actual contact. And, um, and I understood you're going to go through a death. I thought it was a literal death at the time. Um, you're going to go through a death and it's vital that you have one connection through that. 
and um, and I said, oh great, you know, and I picked a Buddhist vision, and they said, no, it's Christ, and I did not, I did not know what to make of this, and this woman showed up, and I had been so strong, and within eight minutes, I was crying. Yeah. Like, she walked in and touched my heart, started talking, just started telling stories. That's right. Mm -hmm. And then the other thing mm -hmm. that I, the other challenge I have is so many religions are told from a masculine perspective that I don't identify. I, did, I don't identify. I don't identify. I don't identify. And Rev Joe came in and started, it, it's like she told them from the side of the moon. That's beautiful. And came mm -hmm. in and came inside mm -hmm. of me and moved my heart. When everybody else was fleeing, this woman was swimming against the current to get to us. And uh, It's amazing. Yeah, mm -hmm. it is. And it was wonderful because um, our mutual friend, um, Angela, said, I I've got a place, I think you're gonna love it, I want you to um, go there and they wanna do Bible study. I, I wasn't, I was less than clear about what that could possibly mean because I, I thought if they're traditionalists, I'm nowhere close, not really. And when I stepped into the room, I knew I had stepped into my destiny. I did not know what my destiny was, but I could feel the possibility of this holy one moment and that this one moment would have other moments attached to it, even though I'd have to, we'd have to walk them to see what they were. I mean, the moment wasn't over there. I'd have to live this moment and then the next moment would show up and I stepped into my destiny and I knew my, the, the French doors of my heart blew open. <laughs> I did it, boom. And I came in there. In yes, I came in there to give myself away, to leave nothing on the field. I meant to leave there empty. I came in full and I knew I was going to leave empty. And it's, I thought, oh Lord, my destiny is fulfilled in this one way. In that here I am, rain. And I finally found a place to fall. I finally could just fall. I could just rain. And we were the air and soil. Yes. Right. right. <laughs> welcoming. Right. Right. We were welcoming. And I, five years? Huh? Five no. years? No, 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 no. Probably nine? Nine years. Yeah. Oh, 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 we've, oh, had, wow. we've had difficulties. It, it, imagine wow. what we're doing. So it's been right. difficult for a long time. And right. then, and she was very strong. You've been doing women's health, and here is this woman bringing in something new. It took you a little while, but what, 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 what was that process for you to kind of look at the practice and, and embrace it? it? It just had to do with, other, with what other people thought. It had nothing to do That's with what I did. so interesting, right. <laughs> uh, so you were cool. <laughs> I was fine, right? Yeah. So... And just the danger that it might represent for her in the ministry. So even though we go to a church that's not traditional, right. it's not conservative like that, you know, I'm women... I'm so surprised to hear this. I think of the two of you as just rebels in so many ways. 
So to hear a little bit of that, it, 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 it says how bad things are out there in many ways and that you are here doing this, is, it, it makes it that much stronger. In the same way with Rev Joe, I felt this clarity of connection in spirit that spoke my language. I felt that with you in terms of the science and the, it, because imagine, you can imagine for 20 years walking into scientists' offices, doctors' offices and saying, there's something that's groundbreaking. No, 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 it's not climax. No, 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 it's not romance. No, 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 it's not neo tantra. No, no, no. And all I could say is what it wasn't. I couldn't get it naked enough for them to see what it was. And when we met, it was shorthand immediately. It was understood. And you started telling me about the experiences that you were having working with women. And so it was intuitive. Many women walk around in this in this world with a shame storm yeah. over their heads, and it's always inclement weather, and that people need to be protected and need umbrellas and gear uh, to be near us. And the, that's old, old, ancient um, religiosity that brought us a story about ourselves that has been passed on generation to generation to generation. And the, the beauty that you bring, Doc, is that you, um, you bring a restorative view. Oh. And Beautiful yeah. word, restorative. It's Go restorative. And, and so finally a woman gets looked at without judgment or assessment or measurement, right. right? None of those are part of the consideration and you get the woman's life and her genitalia as beautiful. And that might be the first time it's ever been right. beautiful unto itself without having a destination in front of it. I think that we do it one story at a time mm. because it was a story that got us trapped and that that's a, a, a new take on the story will be a portal. The story itself that we say about ourselves um, is the portal into the experience of wholeness. I saw a sign or was it in my mind? I'm not sure but it had the nerve, the billboard, maybe. You know how God will talk to you on a billboard or your favorite song on the radio. And it said, trust your skin. Mm. If my grandmother's here, she would say, Chai, never heard of no such a thing as that. <laughs> trust your skin? I don't know if I ever thought to trust my skin. I had been living in the distrust in that I come into the room and maybe something got better, but mostly the ism. I thought that my skin contained the reason why I could not be loved or was rejected by society. And it was a whole new paradigm to trust my skin. Mm -hmm. To trust my skin, shoot, that's part of a woman's power. Right. Is to trust the skin I'm in. Right and to fall in love with it. And it's taken a moment or two to just even wrap my brain around trusting my skin, trusting my woman body, trusting my woman life, trusting my woman feelings, trusting my woman beauty. Are you kidding? And now that's why when Doc and I come into the room, when we come into the room, we are the high tide. We bring a consciousness called the high tide and all women's dreams who have run, that have run aground, when we come into the room, there's a lift. 
And I don't mean the transportation no, service. No. I mean, there's a spiritual lift that women can detect and feel, even though they don't know it's us and they don't need to know it's us necessarily. They just Preferably need- not. Preferably not. Preferably <laughs> not, really. Let's just- Stay live. safe that way. That's right. Right, right. right. Let's just live. <laughs> yeah, let's just live. That's just, we're just gonna be the lift. Yeah. And this world needs a lift. And, it, and, and if 52% of the population is, has run aground, with its own fear of its skin, with its own fear of its womanliness. And also, we're gonna to have to take back the word woman and redefine it. We need to be self-defined because part of the conspiracy is that I'll tell you what it means to be a woman. Let me tell you what it means. Mm. Here's where you can trust and here's where you can't trust. Mm. And I think that one story at a time, one conversation at a time, is already healing this world. How do we reclaim the idea that the divine exists in the feminine form where we, because we've been so kind of like beaten, Madonna whore syndrome. I mean, ju just the, the, the denigration yes. of women in, in this very black and white way. And then you realize that there are cultures that have lived with this, uh, would it be fluidity or would it be without black and white for so long. And I didn't, I didn't know that. I mean, I've known Ish for like forever, you know, but, but suddenly I'm thinking, wait, you're this like guy who's a statesman. Like we gotta get you, we gotta get the men out there to talk about this too. And I just mm. like, how do we all do it? Cause I think there are a lot of men that might care too. Yes. But this is a movement that's being built here. Can this I say one thing? Yeah. I think you have to incrementally go back through each heartbreak and convert mm. it into a jewel and then you can come through to this broader conversation. But I think there's a way we want to bypass those conversations yes. of pains that are unique to sexuality, to gender, to ethnicity, to class. We want it to just be one big melting pot, but you just end up with this, like I, I say, like this beige stew. Right. You yeah. don't end up with a pot full of jewels of people right. who've gone through and activated those pains. And one of the places that you you, you actually spoke about this what, that was so powerful. And then we talked about it that day at the cafe is the intersection of being black women and having been part of this, this movement here and then how that runs parallel to your movement as women and that those distinctly have to be addressed, but they have to be addressed collectively. Right. And one of the blessings for me, one of the great blessings is you know, I dated black women for 13 years and I was invited into these rooms. I was in, I was in women's studies with white women and we cried a lot. And then, <laughs> and, then, and then I went to these jubilees and it was a radically different experience and I did not understand and one of the things that I heard there was, you know, because I, I was so big on sexuality because over here, no one was talking about it. They were talking about it as a political act, mm -hmm. but not like the joy, the celebration, the beauty. And so I would bring it up in these rooms and this one woman said, oh, honey, we have that handled. Like, that's, that's, that's why there's joy in this room. And I remember that was, that was a pivotal point for me in um, making in making a decision that my life as a feminist would be to to offer a platform for that view that 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 was actually the winning view mm -hmm. that um, I do believe healing is important um, 
but I believe that healing happens in the groundswell of joy. If women were, were in possession of our own resource of sexuality, we would be ungovernable. Right. <laughs> I kind of like that. And so, well, so what do you do? All you have to do is hook into a woman's desire to appease and accommodate, which is in our conditioning, and then you say, uh, this force is uh, synonymous with aggression, violation, mm -hmm. and, th and then she doesn't want to be that. She wants to be a good person. So you put her in conflict with her own power, and, and it just becomes this uh, really insidious way that you keep women from power. And that's, that's, if I could get the math out for women of when you reject this resource within you, you are rejecting your own power. It's synonymous with power, not with violation. Right. Right. Then right. we could begin to change it. We just, it's that, it's that tendency of us to want to be, you know. Good girls. Good girls to practice graciousness and hospitality and generosity and and to accommodate because we we because we're such deeply profoundly feeling human beings and that isn't in the science if uh, the proprioception article just came out in the new york yeah. times i don't know if you read it but it's stunning because it speaks to um it speaks to call it speaks to this idea of limbic connection mm -hmm. one third of the brain exists to feel into the feeling states of all um mammals um but 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 you haven't seen that in science because it's it's really in our biology there's not a cell you can point to to say that's the cause exactly cell. women right. have higher limbic intelligence it's built into us due to bio biological evolution we have to as mothers carrying this child within us you're talking about basically raising people again and they're 30 and 40 and 50 years old raising them. What I mean by that is molding them, helping bring out their consciousness. You, you, so you got that situation. Right. Okay. And it goes one conversation at a time. I, I don't really see how else true change occurs. Mm. Mm. There's an opportunity though. Okay. When women first have babies, I'll tell you what happens in medicine. It's like, okay, it's good. You have a baby. Good luck. <laughs> I'll see you back in six weeks. <laughs> then a year. <laughs> Work it out. Mm. This is a time when women are being taxed the most physically. Right. Right? They've just had a baby, so down there, generally doesn't feel all that good. Mm. Okay? You're breastfeeding. It changes your hormones. Makes down there still not feel very mm. good. You got... A partner, you've got your child, if you have other children, you have your family. Most women work. Right. So you've got a million and one things pulling at you. But this, that time period mm. is the period where we wield, I believe, the most power. Wow. By far. In that period. When we're being sucked from, truly. All kinds of directions. And the partners, I believe, are willing, don't know how. Right. And that's where we need to be supported because I think that's where mm. the revolution will come. It's a genius. That's place. where it will come. Wow. Mm -hmm. One last piece, and that's call, because I, I, I think there are some 
elements that Eros brings to the conversation that are lacking in the culture. And without understanding these, without having a framework to understand these, I don't think we're going to be able to move forward. So when you were describing the pig pin above the head, yes, that's tumescence. Yes. That uh, circular thought and self-consciousness uh, that more often than not is a result of trying to figure out how to mediate these powers and desire that exist within us that cause this smog that we live in. And I think the whole world is living in that smog. And then to hear, and there is a solution, um, is a very powerful thing. So that's one. To mm -hmm. me, the, the call is the perfume. The call is the biological capacity to shift a room invisibly. So, you know, they've done research and what they showed was um, that stress is contagious. Nobody was that shocked. But you know what? So is joy. Yes. So that how, are, how, how are they contagious? Well, they, they transmit from one nervous system to another. They transmit from the vagus nerve, vagus nerve um, to another. And we are constantly assessing the internal state of another human being. Reading the room. Reading the room. Mm -hmm. But women, due to estrus, have the capacity to send out a frequency. So we talk about the fact that the male gorilla will travel 200 miles right. when a female gorilla is in heat just from this invisible signal. So, again, this gets controversial, but it, it's important enough that I'm willing to be that controversial. Because what people hear is, oh, if you have call, it's your fault that things happen to you. It's your fault you're sick. It's your fault that these things happen. I, I don't live in that paradigm. What I live in is what is the potential power that's available mm -hmm. to women if they make that signal conscious if you are aware of the perfume that you're sending into the room that you affect, and that's the hardest thing for women to hear. I have an impact, positive, negative, neutral, on any, actually never neutral, yeah. on any room that I enter, which I have the power, like gravity, to influence what happens in that room from my biology in the same way, and you know, we'll say in Buddhism, you really learn to control the breath. You learn to control the nervous system by hacking into, I don't really like that term, but that biology, I can determine the frequency that I send out. You know, I heard this great thing about Oprah. They said, somebody said, they said, I saw Oprah, I was so excited. I felt her magnetism. I went running toward her and I ran into an invisible wall. Mm -hmm. That is a human being who has control over the transmission of her nervous system. I want every woman on the planet to have that. There are a lot of things that we can do. But I see we're doing a lot in legislation. I see we're doing a lot in terms of awareness and I don't see the issue decreasing. And I think this is a powerfully very difficult to talk about. 
Um, I can tell you nearly impossible to get researched. I've tried for 20 years. I had one researcher who just received um, threats about interacting with us because of where we're at, who, um, but in my mind, it saves women's lives to say your nervous system has an invisible frequency that can stop or subdue on the one hand and introduce a power and a joy that has people rise to their highest selves because, because it's female, we don't research it. And that to me is the most damning thing. It, it, like we are letting women just walk around not knowing their impact in the world, in their own lives. Yes. The control that they can have. Nobody can have 100% of control. I'm not saying that. Right. I'm not saying it's anybody's fault ever, ever. That's not what I'm saying. What I'm saying is you have the power to influence your environment in such a way that you decrease the potential for danger and increase the potential for best behavior. Yes. Yes. And it's funny because this goes into calling. Call, That's right. All the of call. these things operate in concert. Yes. The tapestry that was woven today, it was a very mm -hmm. strong one because it was another articulation of, of how communities can pull together and ideas are presented in different ways and are just so simpatico. It was really, really beautiful. And as a man, you know, it's kind of like men don't want to hear this shit. I mean, you know, for the most part, because it's like, it's, it's inconvenient. It, at least inconvenient. At most, it's like, oh shit. <laughs> but here's you know, the thing. It's like, here's the thing. I'm gonna, I'm a, I'm going to say you don't want to hear it in the moment. Right. But you wanna, you wanna right. see the result of it realized because it realized creates a better place, beautiful world. Yeah. And, and, and actually, it creates sense. a better you. Of course, of course. You know, it's, it also uh, creates more sense. Yeah, we all know this, and, and there are many, I mean, you know, as gay man, it's like, it's not an issue for me. It's like, this is great, you know, but for a lot of straight men, I think they can't wait. Right. They just don't know how to embrace it. I can, I'll just say this one last thing, and that is, um, I used to tell this when I would teach, because women would say, my partner doesn't want to do this, he thinks it's too difficult. Uh, and they would go on. And then I'd meet the partner and I would say, okay, so I understand that you don't want to do this. And they would say, I've been begging her, I'm dying to. It's all I want to do. I want to teach me, show me, teach yeah. me. And that has to do with, um, again, a woman knowing her influence and her impact and the idea that we don't deserve the kind of attention that Dr. Allison gives to women when, when she's willing to take the time and the care and speak to a woman from her heart so that it's no longer just a whole. So that the radiance and beauty of this area of her vagina, whatever a woman wants to call it, hopefully it's, hopefully we invent a word that it's is neither, that isn't <laughs> medicalized, that isn't slang, that isn't. I want to, because you were talking about language before. Right. like the, the gays reclaiming queer. Like right. I want to hear what you want to reclaim too because I think you're going to come up with the language oh, for this. I, I, this is my life. Your urban dictionary. Yeah. <laughs> but but the, I, I think that is the... the I, I just want... Because I want to dispel that upon contact because I, I think I've never met... 
Well, I've met a few men right. who were a little bit challenging, but I've met very few men who had any problems with women's power. What they had, the problem they have is with women's resentment. Mm. And, and mm. those two in our culture right now passes the same thing yeah. and they're diametrically opposed. Yeah.